Lloyd always said, Lloyd Mitchell, there are two subjects you should preach on at least once a year. Uh, one is salvation, and the other is the Lord's Supper. Now, it's been, I think, a little bit longer than a year since I did a series on salvation, but that's what we're doing. We're going through, I know this is a reminder for a lot of us, uh, because a lot of us probably know a lot of this stuff, but it is, because of the nature of its importance in Scripture, it is a good thing to be reminded of, I think. So we are going through, uh, answering this question, I sort of tried to do a different tack on it. Who will be saved? Now, so far... We've looked at those who know the knowledge that we have. Uh, it's not been the last two weeks. It's been the last two lessons. And then the belief, the knowledge and the belief, right? That's what we've looked at already. Who will be saved? Well, those who know God. Who will be saved? Well, those who have faith in God. Now, we're going to move out of the mental space into something different. Romans 10, 13 through 17, which we've read many times in this series. Uh, For the, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then will they call on him whom they have not believed? How are they to believe in him of whom they have not heard? How are they to hear without someone preaching? How are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. But they have not all be- obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed what he has heard from us, so faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. And we see this sequence, right? Hearing or reading, it could be reading, but acquiring knowledge leads to the the understanding or the mental thing in our brain, I have the information. And that only leads to faith or belief if what? I accept that information is true. We receive a lot of information in our lives that we would do not accept is true. We do not believe or have faith in. So we see this transition, but I want to focus on a couple of things in this text. The first line, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. It doesn't stop with the mental or, or acceptance in our heart of truth. That's not where it stops, right? Uh, and, and then later on, for they have not all obeyed the gospel. There is something more than acceptance of truth. The fact that only those who call on the name of the Lord will be saved means that our salvation in some way requires action on our part. And, and the, the phrase calls on the name of the Lord is, uh, we'll talk about that more as we go through this series. But if salvation involved nothing on my part, then why should I call on the name of the Lord? If it's just, I have the information and I accept it as true, then that's it. That's all it would be if it's just faith. And, and that's that's nothing else. Calling is a verb, right? I call. Now, what does that mean exactly in how it relates to our salvation? We'll talk about that as we go through this series. And it might not be a very involved action. Spoiler, it is. Uh, but even if it wasn't, it's still a response to a belief that I have in the knowledge of the gospel, right? Uh, and so the rest of the series will cover what this means. And this week, we're going to look at a very specific idea. It is clear that our salvation involves more than mental acceptance of the Bible story. It is clear. And we're going to look at a dozen passages today. This is another one of those rapid-fire sermons. But all in service of one overall point. Who will be saved? Those who obey. Right? So let's read a lot of verses. James 2, 18 through 23. You knew I was going to start with this one, probably. Someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith apart from your works, and I will show you my faith by my works. You believe that God is one, you do well. Even the demons believe and shudder. 
Now, again, we think about the process of acquiring this knowledge, acquiring faith. First, we are ignorant. Everybody's born ignorant. You don't know anything as a baby. Now, maybe you were taught by your parents about the truth of the gospel. Maybe you were taught by a preacher. Maybe you were taught by a, a Bible class teacher. Maybe you were taught by a friend. I don't know how you acquired this knowledge. But you acquired this knowledge, and then you accepted it as true. And that, that is when this turned into belief. Because the demons have the information, and they accept it as true, right? There's no doubt in their minds that Jesus is Lord. We have the story, of course, in the Gospels when Jesus talks to, uh, he calls himself legion. We are legion for we are many. And what does he say? What have you to do with me, O son of man? He knows who Jesus is. And he begs Jesus, don't cast me out, put me in these pigs. Because he knows that Jesus has that ability, right? There's no doubt on the part of the, even the devil, which we're going to look at tonight, uh, the devil, he knows that's why he tempted Jesus in the wilderness. He knows, he believes that Jesus is the Son of God. Do you want to be shown, you foolish person, that faith apart from works is useless? Now, in, in this context, what does useless mean? could be a number of things. Uh, it is ineffective, that's true. But what is the ultimate point of our faith? Why we would have faith is to be saved, right? This idea of having a relationship with God. If faith apart from works is useless, that is, it has no utility, it has no function or value, then my faith is not leading to salvation if it is unaccompanied by works. Was it not, was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered up his son Isaac on the altar? You see that his faith was active, uh, that faith was active along with his works and faith was completed by his works. What story is this in Genesis 22? In Genesis 22, God says to Abraham, Abraham, go up on the mountain and sacrifice your son, right? Now, and I've said this before about the story. I'll, I'll say it every time I talk about it. From God's perspective, there's no scenario where Isaac dies in this story. But from Abraham's perspective, of course, he's being asked to to do this horrendous thing, and the question that God is asking Abraham, is your faith real enough to act on? Are you willing to do something difficult as a result of your belief in me? I've told you that I will make you the father of, of a great nation. This is your only son. He's going to die. Do you believe that what I have said is true? And of course, we're told that Abraham, of course, does believe that, and it is completed because he follows through. The question, what if Abraham had never obeyed God? We could even go back further, right? Uh, the call of Abraham from the Ur of the Chaldeans. Abraham, leave your father and mother and go to the land which I will show you. Oh, I, I believe that you exist, God, but I'm not going to do that. I'm going to stay here. What happens then? He's not justified. His faith is not completed. And he remains, I think, fundamentally just like the rest of the or the people of Ur of the Chaldeans, the rest of the Chaldeans. Yes, well, that's just James's opinion, you might say, and in fact has been said by several theologians who would rather James not be included in the canon because this verse is problematic for many people. So let's look at salvation according to Paul. 2 Thessalonians 1, 7 through 8. When the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven with his mighty angels, and oh, uh, and before I read all these passages... You will notice that none of, I don't think, maybe in sort of vague illusions, none of these use the term necessarily, you have to obey to be saved. None of those are going to, the verses are not going to say that. But what we'll see as we go through these verses is 
that truth is being taught regardless. So, when the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in flaming fire, inflicting vengeance on those who do not know God and on those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. Is flaming fire and inflicted vengeance part of those who are saved? Is that what's going to happen to those who are saved? You can shake your head. No, it's not. That's sort of the point of salvation, right? Romans 2, 6 through 8. He will render to each one according to his works those who by patience in well-doing seek for glory and honor and immortality. He will give eternal life. But for those who are self-seeking and do not obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness, there will be wrath and fury. Again, might I point out, those are the two things that we need to be saved from. The idea of who will be saved. We'll save from what? Saved from wrath and fury, right? That's what we're going for here. Romans 6, 15 through 18. What then? Are we to sin because we are not under law but under grace? By no means. I like uh, uh, the some of the more uh, paraphrasy translations have, of course not, or don't be stupid. One of them particularly. Uh, no, of course not. Do you not know that if you present yourselves as anyone uh, to anyone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one whom you agree with? Is that what it says? You are slaves of the one who you believe in. No, you are slaves of the one who you obey, which are what are the options? Either of sin, which leads to death, or of obedience, which leads to righteousness. Obedience leads to righteousness. But thanks be to God that you who were once slaves to sin have become obedient from the heart. We'll talk about this uh, as we go further throughout the series. And and why we're doing this, I should, I've said this maybe before, I need to reinforce it. Each week we're looking at a singular aspect. We began this series with the idea that Scripture is cumulative, right? We accumulate understanding by looking at all of the different ideas. So we're focusing on obedience, but he does say here, right, obedient from the heart to the standard of teaching to which you are committed. And having been set free from sin, have become slaves of righteousness. What does a slave do? They obey, right? Well, you know, Paul was mistaken about a lot of things. He didn't say some good stuff about women in the church and and, you know, he had some bad stuff to say about homosexuality. So maybe James and Paul, they just don't know what they're talking about. So let's look at salvation according to John. 1 John 2, 3 through 6. By this we know that we have come to know him if we believe what he said. Is that what that says there? You can, you can read it right up there. Maybe you can't read it. I don't know how, how that's pretty, that's high, that's as high contrast as it can be, guys. And by this we know we have come to know him what? If we keep his commandments. That's how we know that we know him. Whoever says, I know him and does not keep his commandments is a liar and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word and him truly the love of God is perfected. By this we may know that we are in him. Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way that he walked. Who's the he? Jesus, right? The same way that Jesus walked. First John 3.10 By this it is evident who are the children of God and who are the children of the devil. Whoever does not practice righteousness, which is a synonym, I think, for obedience. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is the one who does not have love or who does not love his brother. So James thinks I need to obey. Paul thinks I need to obey. John clearly thinks I need to obey. Well, maybe John just meant you need to obey after you're saved, which 
Sure, maybe. So let's look at the last one. Salvation according to Jesus. John 14, 15. If you love me, you will believe what I told you. Is that what it, is that what it says? Really, I have Loy on my brain. This is what Loy used to do all the time. He would misread these. Right, you misread it purposely. Because why? If you love me, you will keep my commandments. John 15, 9 through 10. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. Just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. What if Jesus disobeyed the Father? You ever thought about that? What if Jesus had not kept the commandments of the Father? I don't even know how, you can't even, it's hard to even imagine what would have happened in that circumstance. But Jesus was righteous, why? Because he obeyed. He kept the commandments and he did it perfectly. Well, maybe you think to yourself, well, this is just John. What about, he just, maybe he just made stuff up about what Jesus said. So let's look at another, which was read for us already. Matthew's recollection of Jesus' teaching. Matthew 7, 21 through 23. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? And I will declare to them what? I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. Jesus is preeminently concerned with not just what we think, not just what we know, not just what we believe, but what we do, right? Now we're going to come back to Matthew 7. So let's sum this up. We're going to have a little bit of a shorter sermon because we have something else after after the service, which Don will announce. Just a brief, it's a legal matter is what it is. Here is what is true if you don't obey. According to the text, just the text that we've read. Now, we could read, I don't know, two dozen more passages. We're not going to, don't worry. But we could read two dozen more passages about this topic just in the ones that we've read so far. Here is what is true if you don't obey. One, your faith is useless. Congrats on your faith. You didn't obey? Pointless. Pointless faith. Jesus will inflict vengeance upon you. Second Thessalonians 1. I'm glad you have faith, but if you don't obey, haven't you missed the, the thing that you're trying to be saved from, right? Because you're going to face wrath and fury, according to Romans 2. You will become a slave to sin, leading to death, in Romans 6. Do you want to be a slave to sin? I don't want to be a slave to sin. I would like to be a slave to righteousness, which leads to life, right? You are a liar, and you do not know God. Now, again, following the chain here, I'm ignorant, then I acquire knowledge, then I, that becomes belief if I accept it as true. But then if I don't continue past that, it's like I don't know God. It's like I didn't acquire the knowledge, or at least I didn't accept the knowledge as true, right? That's in 1 John 2. You are of, not of God and are of the devil. That's from 1 John 3. You do not love Jesus, John 14. You cannot abide in Jesus' love, John 15. Regardless of whether or not the word saved is used, can you reasonably say that someone with these qualities is saved? Just look at the qualities up there, the things that are true if you don't obey. So maybe the text doesn't explicitly say only those who obey will be saved. But everybody who has these qualities is not saved, right? This is a description of what not being saved looks like. And these are the, these are the results of a lack of obedience. 
So if we're asking the question, who will be saved? Yeah, we looked at a couple couple of lessons ago. Only those who know, who have knowledge of God will be saved. That's true. Only those who believe will be saved. That's true too, right? Only those who obey will be saved. Maybe you don't like that. Maybe that's uncomfortable. But it's only uncomfortable if what? It's only uncomfortable if you're not obeying. That's when it becomes uncomfortable. Or maybe if you know somebody who's not obeying. It's not nice to think about this, that my friend who doesn't obey God, will be, even though he believes in God, he doesn't obey, so he'll be lost. It's not comfortable. It's not pleasant. But it is true. We're going to end with Matthew 7, 21 through 23 which we read already, right? I want to focus on a couple of things from this text. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many. That word many. Let's focus on that word for a minute. Jesus says it differently in another place. Wide is the way that leads to destruction, and narrow is the way that leads to life. Many will find the way that leads to destruction, and few there are, I'm paraphrasing obviously, few there are who will find the way that leads to life. More people will be lost than will be saved. That's not a nice idea. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? And then I will declare to them what? I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. Salvation is not just a result of simple mental acceptance. That I have acquired knowledge about Jesus, and I accept that knowledge of truth. That is, that is the beginning. That is the first part of it, but it is not the end. It is also not a result of doing things in Jesus' name, right? That I'm doing things for Jesus, that also is insufficient, Right? What does he say? Many will say, we did, these, we did these things. I did them in your name. I cast out demons. I prophesied. I did mighty works. I did them for you, Jesus. And what will he say? I never knew you. You are workers of lawlessness. Even though you did things in my name, if it was not the things that was the will of the Father, it is insufficient. The next few weeks, we're going to cover exactly what Jesus has commanded in regards to salvation, right? Now, there's a a number of different things because this is so broad. The idea of obeying God, how many things are there that we need to obey? Well, oh man, have you read the New Testament, guys? There's a lot of stuff in there. So over the next few weeks, we're going to specifically talk about there are some things that Jesus has commanded in regards to salvation that you have to do if you want to be saved. And we're going to cover those. And that's part of what we're going to talk about when we talk about calling on the name of the Lord. So as we sing this song, I am resolved, which is a a good song here. I am resolved no longer to linger, charmed by the world's delights. I don't know if that's the first verse, but that's the first verse that came to my head. I would ask you to resolve to obey God, right? Not just believe, not just accept what he said is true, not just have faith in him, resolve in your hearts to do your best to do what he has said, right? Confession, that's something he's told us to do. Repent, that's something he's told us to do. 
be united with Jesus in baptism. That's something he's told us to do. I hope you resolve not just to accept that as true, but to do it today. 